With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Special for you. It's time for Cougar Sports on ESPN 960. This is something special for you. Here's your host, Ben Criddle. Welcome to Cougar Sports ESPN 960. This is Cougar Country. I'm Ben Criddle broadcasting live from our Les Schwab Tire Studios. Les Schwab. Dot com. Save $110 right now when you buy a set of four select Continental tires. Les Schwab, Les Schwab.com. We love walking, so come by anytime. Closest location to you. You can check it out on the map. Go to Les Schwab, Les Schwab.com. Got a great show for you as always. Still a ton of Pac-12, Big 12. Uh, rumors, rumors of wars uh, are going about everywhere. Uh, and uh, there's enmity that is continuing between the Big 12 and Pac-12 as Brett Yormar casts his gaze along the West Coast and says, who do I want? Who do I need? Who shall I add? Uh, reports coming out that Oregon, Washington, U of A, definitely interested. Jason Shear joined us yesterday. It was a fantastic interview. If you didn't get it, if you didn't listen to it, you need to go back. Uh, later tonight, listen to it. It was fantastic. Jason Shear hopped onto our show and gave us uh, the the perspective of U of A and uh, what he's hearing. U of A is the next school to make the leap he has proclaimed. Uh, he also mentioned that it's not going to be as difficult as many are making it out to be that to, to make the jump. If you're U of A and you've been arm-in-arm with ASU for so long, uh, they're willing and ready to make that jump, and there will not be legislators, there will not be politicians, there will not be academic power brokers that can stop them from doing such. So that's what Jason Shearer has told us, and I don't think he said anything that has been found to be a lie, a fallacy. Uh, he has spoken truth from his Wildcat Authority pulpit, and it's been fantastic. So uh, that's what's going on in the news. We're going to break it all down here on your Cougar Sports Insider Radio Network, ESPN 960. Keep us locked in on that 960 AM dial. You can stream us from the website, ESPN960sports.com, the ESPN 960 app, the TuneIn app as well. Download the app from the respective app store. Tell your smart speaker, hey, smart speaker, listen to Cougar Sports with Ben Criddle. Hey, smart speaker, listen to the ESPN 960 app. You can also download the podcast, iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Give us a rating. Give us a review. We appreciate it when you do. You can follow me on Twitter at Criddle Benjamin for all my questions and polls of the day, like the one I put out just a little bit ago. If Washington, if Oregon, if U of A, head on over to the Big 12. Can any of the remaining Pac-12 schools survive as independents? Would they stoop so low 
solo as to join forces with Gloria Nervias, which I love. I am a big fan of her. I think she's a fantastic commissioner. In the Pac West Conference. It's going to be rebranded, of course. Would they stoop solo? Would they make that jump to G5 status? I think all of them are just like, all right, we're going independent, man. I don't, I don't know what we're doing. Or I guess, uh, I, what, what is the, the most likely scenario? All of a sudden they just add their five remaining schools, or, or I guess there's, there's six remaining schools, Oregon State, Washington State, Stanford, Cal, Utah, ASU. They would add the best of the Mountain West Conference and create the Pac-West Conference. I mean, I'm sure it would still be the the Pac-12 conference, but we'd be calling it the Pac-West conference uh, <laughs> here at ESPN 960 forever. Uh, it would uh, be entitled, it would be dubbed Pac-West. And I would say that George would need to retire and Gloria would need to be instated as the new commissioner because I think Gloria is actually a better commissioner than George. Who, who do you think, Cougar Day? She was a better commissioner. I mean, you saw what Glory was doing to West Coast Conference, how she handled Gonzaga, how she was able to somewhat acquiesce, you know, some of her powers and say, you know, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna treat these people the right way, these uh these power brokers, these power schools the right way. Uh, whether it was non conference scheduling, how she structured the conference tournament, she listened, she engaged, she executed. Gloria, all day, every day. I'm a big fan of Glow. Flow Glow, baby. That's what I call her here at ESPN 960. Anyway, lots of news and notes to get to. Please support our sponsors. Can't do our show without our sponsors. LeSchwab.com, RoyalArmyBrand.com, GreenifyEnergySavers.com, DrinkBodyArmor.com, DentalProsOfUtah.com, FeastBox.com, CougarFeast.com, OrthoProsOfUtah.com as well. Let's fire up the ESPN 960 starting lineup so I can introduce you to my co-host and the rest of the star-studded cast that will be joining us for this Friday edition of Cougar Sports. Coming in with all manner of uh, great takes, hot takes, and uh, commentary. Let's welcome in from KSL.com. we got my man Sean Walker stepping up to the mic. What's up, Sean? The one, the only, the original, and unlike your take for the new PacWest conference, the new I, PacWest conference, I will not be trademark infringed because the PacWest already is, exists, Benjamin. Oh, Shout really? out to Shamanad. Shout out to Fresno Pacific. Shout the out Pac to West does? Nazarene. Oh, yeah, I... we got to find a new name, man. we got to find a new name. PacWest Bancorp. I just thought it was PacWest Bancorp. I guess they, 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 that would be infringement. Would it? Yeah, home of, home of Chaminade oh. University in Honolulu, Hawaii. Hilo, Hawaii Pacific. PacWest. Former home of Dixie State. Come it's... on now. Oh, yeah. BYU How... Hawaii was the in the PacWest. Pac I would like to rebrand it. Yeah, yeah PacWest Conference. Anyway. Uh, appreciate you being here, Sean. All manner of great takes today are upon us. Uh, let's also welcome in Gavin Lee, social media manager, ESPN 960 reporter. What's up, Gav? Uh, hey, Ben. Just excited. 36 days until Cougar football. And what's going to happen this upcoming weekend with conference realignment? You hope that it happens quickly. You hope that people have been uh, that have been sitting on their haunches, waiting, hoping, praying for a media deal can uh, maybe take some action. A lot of news and notes coming out. We'll break it all down. We also have executive producer for the show, Ronald Weaver III, on the mic. Ronald, how you living? Good, like Gav said, you know, 36 days. But I, I, I jumped the gun maybe a little bit. I sent it to the group chat. I talked to a certain co-host. Uh, I don't know. I'm just I'm thinking about fall camp and what the Jay Hill defense will look like, the BYU offense. I know there's a lot of question marks with Keaton Slovis that people want to know about. So I listed out, you know, who I think will start 
they want to fall camp my 22. I know we're talking about, you know, Pac-12, who else will call, come over. You know, I think Oregon is a good opportunity to come over. I think they bring a lot of value. But I don't know. My mind is Camp Kalani is, is coming up, and I'm excited to see what BYU football does. Hold on a minute, Ronald. Ronald, you want to talk about practice? You want to talk about practice? Not a game. Not a game. Practice. Not a game. He wants to talk about football practice. Yeah, but what we see not in practice will be, yeah. Not a game, football practice. We might be, we might be able to do a little bit of that. I'll ask Cougar Nation. We'll do a little bit of What are you more intrigued by? What are you more intrigued by? Conference realignment right now, what's happening in conference realignment, or fall camp and the position battles oh, you know the answer that, are, that, that are occurring? You know the answer to that already. That's, that's very rhetorical right there, Benjamin. Is it? I mean, there's a lot of BYU fans that don't give a lick about conference realignment. They don't care. They're like, oh, yeah, they? I love, I love football. I like focusing on me. I like focusing on we. I like focusing on what I can control, mm. what I know, my team, my squad, I'm, my people. I mean, the rather argument, than what's going yeah. on over at my in my neighbor's yard, what I, they're buying, what they're driving around. They're not, you know, they've been they've been learned, <laughs> they've been taught since the Old Testament days. You know, we thou are, shalt not covet. We are if thou shalt a, not gloat. We are if nothing. A society of Joneses, and we are all trying to keep up with one another. We can or say we can say this though. That. We can say right now, conference re- realignment has the nation, Cougar Nation, may be looking at that. But when it comes to Monday, when we get to Monday, definitely Tuesday, that's going to be old news. Respectfully, BYU fans are going to be like, "Who's starting on their geo defense?" What is it going to look like? Oh, that's what I want to know. Like, as much as oh, great Oregon, even if Oregon came on Monday, Tuesday, BYU fans, who's starting? Who's starting, Ben? Who's starting, Sean? Who's wrong? What did you see? That's what they're going to want to hear because as much as you love what, like you said, Ben, what's going on in someone else's own backyard, we have to take care of our own. We have to take care of our grass. We have to water it. And all of that is great, but we got to make sure we have our P's and Q's together. Some of us do, at least. Some of us also belong to an HOA that handles all the grass cutting and grass washing. I don't have that. That's the best way to go, baby. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, having a lawn is actually a sign of uh, great affluence. That's what it's traditionally that's, that's been. That's what I've been told. Yeah, that's what I've been yeah, told. I've, I've never actually owned a lawn before, so <laughs> I, I can't really fully speak to all of You're that. You're probably in the top 5% yeah. of all earners in the world if you actually have a lawn. Well, there we go. Did you know that? Come, if come you have a lawn, sports. if you have an estate, and you manage and manicure your lawn or have someone manage it for you, you're most likely... In the top five percent of everyone okay. in the world at earning money, come with, come for Cougar Sports with Ben Criddle. Stay for the socioeconomic breakdown. I'm telling you, man. Sometimes we just need a little That's perspective right. in our lives. Hashtag like grateful. It. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag God bless BYU in the Big Twelve. I'm a little excited today. <laughs> I've had a lot of Utah fans DM me, tweet at me like, yes, you have. you've never been." this excited about anything else in your life you're so happy i'm like look it's you got to celebrate the victories in life if you're always grumple still skin if you're always kind of just like eh, whatever eh, you know man you got to celebrate the little victories otherwise you know you just go throughout life without uh having a a pep to your step having a, a song in your heart a little vigor and vim why don't you hum your favorite hymn? Sing out with Vigor and Vim, Sean Walker. It's okay That's to fair. sing out with Vigor and Vim uh, as BYU is on solid, a firm foundation, not built on the sand of the West Coast, okay? West Coast sand is weak. 
And uh, that's why they're saying, you know what, we'd like to build our house upon the granite of the mountain. The mountain, the Big 12 mountain. Anyway, lots of news and notes to get to. Can't wait to delve into all the nicks and crannies. Check it out today. We got, uh, we may, we're trying to get to some Aaron Roderick sound that was on, uh, Big 12, Sirius XM Radio, read between the lines there. I don't know where that's going to fit in just yet, but Brian Keel's going to join us 3.30, former BYU great, one of the best linebackers to ever come through Brigham. Love He'll Brian hop on to get his uh, – we'll get his take on Big 12, Pac-12, conference realignment, and what his expectations are for Jay Hill, year one, coaching up that defense, and uh, BYU year one in the Big 12. Brett McMurphy, College Football Insider, Action Sports Network, Action Network HQ, 405, he'll be joining us. Jeff Fuller, the man of metrics, uh, contributor for ESPN 960, also an ophthalmologist, a vitreo-retinal surgeon, but uh, he's got a steady hand for surgery, and he's got a steady hand for typing up fantastic articles that are focused on the best metrics in college football and why the Pac-12 has continued to stumble over themselves trying to get a media deal done. We'll talk about those metrics here here at 4.30. Brady Papinga at 5.05, former BYU great. Uh, Cougars in the pro segment with him. And then Jody Rookstool of Feastbox and CougarFeast.com will join us at 5.30 for What's Cooking with the Cougars. Don't miss it. Uh, lots of news and notes to get to. Why don't we get in to the nitty-gritty. Brought to you by Greenify Energy Savers, GreenifyEnergySavers.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are pleased to present our dancers with their interpretation of the nitty-gritty. So anyways, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. The nitty-gritty always brought to you by Greenify Energy Savers, greenifyenergysavers.com. If you're looking to greenify your home, looking to keep that utility bill lower, if you're looking to keep your house cool in the summer months, please give them a call. Give them an opportunity to earn your business. They will give you a free evaluation, home efficiency evaluation, when you mention ESPN 960. Give them a call. Mention ESPN 960, 801-948-4464. That's 801-948-4464. Greenify Energy Savers, greenifyenergysavers.com. One of the things I really like about them, is they provide radiant barrier attic full. I think this is one of the most effective and efficient ways to keep that uh, your house icy cold in the summer uh, because uh, traditional spray and insulation, that's okay. Attic insulation is all right. But the radiant barrier attic foil, they essentially integrate these uh, attic foils uh, into your rafters, your attic, and uh, that deflects all manner of heat. All manner of energy, and even when it gets cold, they keep it nice and toasty in the winter. So, radiant barrier attic void. That's what you gotta research. That's what you gotta ask them about. They also offer energy saving window replacement, uh, tankless water heaters, attic insulation, solar attic fans, and air sealing. Check it out today. 801-948-4464. 801-948-4464. Let's get into some sound. Aaron Roddick, for all you fall campers out there that want to know how this offense is gonna look, who Aaron Roderick is. I know he, he got some heat last year. Sean, from his third down and fourth down play calling. Yep. I'm excited to see what Aaron Rodgers can do with 12 possessions per game, uh, coupled with that Jay Hill defense. That's what I'm intrigued by. Slightly yes. fewer because of some uh, recent NCAA rule changes. Oh, yeah, because clock of time and clock. Clock will stop two minutes and that, that kind of thing, yeah. Oh, that's so true. Do you think he'll get 12 fewer, a game? Do you think 12 possessions a game? Uh, I mean, he'll probably still get 12. That that last possession will just be shortened a little bit. There won't be as many, what are they calling them, contacts or or uh, 
yeah, whatever whatever they're calling him. They're kind of trying to reduce the number of plays overall. But, yeah, he'll probably still get. Yeah, but I mean, most of like, I mean, a, on average you're getting 12. So I, he's going to get 12. He's going to get yeah. 12. Maybe uh, 11 some days, 13. He's going to get 12. He's going to get 12, and he may be even getting 15 uh, with uh, Jay Hill as the D.C. We'll That's see what true. happens. You That's never true. know. Three Both and for outs. And for worse. Three and outs and also uh, three and maybe a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, you never know. We That's never fair. know. Anyway, Aaron Roderick. Is your OC, your quarterback's coach. He's done a heck of a job, in my opinion. Top 25 OC in the country. He hopped onto SiriusXM Radio. We invite you to check that out, as always. They do a fantastic job. Robbie Triano joined us earlier this week. He had a fantastic interview, and uh, so we invite you to watch and listen to their show. Before we talk about the team in your offense, Aaron, this upcoming season, you are a two-time graduate of BYU with a bachelor's degree and a master's degree, and, of course, now offense coordinator for the program. What does it mean for your alma mater, BYU, to be joining the Big 12? Oh, it's huge. And, you know, it's, uh, I think it's, you know, it starts with the coach Edwards, Lavelle Edwards days. You know, I played for coach Edwards and I was a grad assistant for him. And, um, those of us that are old enough to remember those days, BYU was a place that threw the heck out of the ball for a long time. And, and I was sort of doing it at a high level before, before many other teams were. And, um, and and it it became a you know a, we were known for throwing the ball and it became a, a program that was known nationally and I think you know it's taken a long time to have an opportunity to play in a in a conference at this level now and really try to take that next step as a program you know and so I'm I just think a lot of, I've been thinking a lot about Coach Edwards lately and and uh, how he kind of propelled. Even though it was a long time ago, he gave us this chance. Uh, that's how I look at it. And you've got mm. all these air raid teams now in college football who are really doing what Coach Edwards did. I mean, that's where Coach Leach got it back in the day. And uh, so I'm, I'm excited about that. It's like what Tom said when I chatted with him. Tom Homo, uh, he preys on Lavelle. Lavelle set this up. Lavelle did this. Football has been king for a long time. Football is... El mero mero, as they say in Espanol. Like, it's the top dog, right? El mero en si. Yeah. El mero mero. That's what football yeah. is. And, and Lavelle put BYU on the map, let's be honest. Like, no one knew about, you know, 1972, I mean, did the world know about Latter-day Saints? Did, did the United States even know about the Latter-day Saints? Maybe. They just knew them as polygamists. Did they know them? No, they did not. They did not know them. It's a pretty good campaigns that would say they probably knew a little. About they did not know them. I they knew. Point. I see your point. They knew of Brigham Young University after Lavelle came into power. So I love that Aaron Rodgers giving that love. I mean, the year before Lavelle was head coach, the Brigham Young University did have the NCAA's rushing leader. Okay, so, so they didn't know about uh, him. They, yeah, that's they, true. Eldon, Eldon Forte. Yeah, good old Eldon Forte. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a beast. He was, he was Taysom Hill before but Taysom how, Hill. How cool is it, though, to have not just a head coach but an offensive coordinator and a whole bunch of assistant coaches – they can very readily kind of, just in terms of marketing, draw on the history of BYU football like that. Because, like, mm-hmm. it, it gets drilled into you at a job, I'm sure, to an extent, kind mm-hmm. of the history and the brand and, and that sort of thing. But, like, somebody like A-Rod, like, those moments are just so readily apparent to him. Sure. You know, he's this bountiful guy who grew up going to BYU football games, played Juco football, was recruited, so he was recruited twice over to come play for BYU. Um, now he's back here. Like like he just so readily knows that. I mean that's gotta be that's gotta be music to our marketing friends' ears. Right? No doubt about it. Yeah. Love me some Aaron Roderick. You coached this team when Zach Wilson was there. 
uh, we know we shouldn't compare it, but give us an idea of what you can do with Keaton Slovis offensively that you did with Zach. Yeah, well, Keaton's just a really good passer. I mean, it's funny. I sat uh, last week. I was um, sitting in my office, looking out the window, and Zach Wilson was on our field working out. It was it was about a week before he had to report to the Jets, and then uh, Jaron Hall was working out at the same time on the field, and then Keaton threw with our receivers right after that. And so I watched Zach throw. Uh, Jaron, who just got drafted by the Vikings, and Keaton throw, and and there's, I mean, those those three good passers that I watched right back to back to back, and um, I think the thing that is sort of missed about Keaton is, you know, there's this narrative that his numbers have dropped every year, but if you really dig into the story, like I did when I recruited him, he had an awesome freshman year. Everyone knows that his his uh, sophomore year was the COVID year. And the Pac-12 only played five games, but he played great in that season. He played he played just as well as he did as a freshman, but they only played five games. And then his sophomore or his uh, third year uh, was uh, the year that Clay Helton was fighting for his job, and he started out that year playing great too and got injured. And then that's when Jackson Dart came on, and by the time Jackson Dart started playing, they were with interim head coach. And then, of course, we know the story. Lincoln Riley comes in and wants to bring Caleb Williams. And so uh, so um, Keaton ends up at Pitt, and he thinks he's going to play for Mark Whipple, and he's got Jordan Addison as his wide receiver. <laughs> and that lasted about five days, I think. <laughs> and both of those guys were out of there. And all of a sudden, it was in a situation where I think it – I don't want to speak for him, but I think it was like, wait, this isn't what I signed up for. He was – under center the whole game, you know, a lot of eye formation. It wasn't, it, I don't think it was suited necessarily for what he does best. And so when I dug into the story and I watched the games, the, 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 you know, sort of down year at Pitt didn't turn me off at all. In fact, mm. I thought he handled it like a pro. He handled it with class. He didn't make any excuses. He didn't blame anybody. He just, uh, wanted another opportunity in an offense that fit him better. So to answer your question, I think we can do a lot of the same things we did with Zach and Jaron because Keaton's a very good passer. Love that breakdown. Uh, Aaron sees something that he he loves in in Keaton Slovis, and I can see it on the film. I can see it in his decision-making. We saw it in, in practice in spring ball. Kai can rip. He's got a great throwing motion. He's got a great arm, and he's got, I think, above average athleticism, which uh, will 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 allow Aaron to keep a defense honest and uh, it, on any of those uh, kind of RPO type of situations or zone read type of situations. So I, I'm I'm intrigued. I'm not I'm not I don't think I'm completely sold that Keaton is going to be this all world sure. quarterback just yet. Uh, I need to see fall camp and see what this offensive line looks like and, and the supporting cast. I, I don't know necessarily that uh, I doubt his, his throwing ability, um, but we'll see how his decision-making is. Last season at Pitt definitely stands out uh, for what Keaton was or what he had become, and there were a lot of factors in that. A change in offensive coordinator, like A-Rod was mentioning, uh, playing within Pat Narduzzi's system was obviously very different from playing 
the, the previous three years at USC, whether it was under Clay Helton or an interim head coach, whatever it was. Um, like th- that was, there were a lot of factors there that I'm willing to give Keaton Slovis the benefit of the doubt a little bit on that one. Um, but it's definitely still a concern how much he dropped off last year. As far as those three years at USC, mm-hmm. Keaton does get knocked for quote-unquote backtreading or downgrading, whatever word you want to use, during each of his three seasons at USC. And that's from people who are only looking at things like total yardage, total number of touchdowns, that kind of thing. When you look at how much he actually played, mm-hmm. he was a very similar quarterback, like A-Rod was bringing up. Like, I'm looking at the numbers right now. Uh, 3,502 yards and 30 touchdowns as a freshman, which is what everybody points to. He was Pac-12 freshman of the year, um, just had all this hype behind him. That's 291.8 yards per game. If you if you move to his sophomore season, 2020, which was the COVID year, so obviously everything carries that caveat, right? He threw for 1,921 yards and 17 touchdowns in six games, or the equivalent of 320.17 yards per game. So he actually was performing statistically better during that COVID shortened sophomore season in 2020. And then obviously there's a little bit more of a drop off. He only played nine games in uh, 2021 before Jackson Dart came on the scene, 2,153 yards and 11 touchdowns with eight interceptions. So that's where the drop off really started to begin. Um, and then that led to the transfer, obviously going to Pitt, going to a, into a very different system, whether or not he was actually sold the bill of goods with his offensive coordinator. Certainly Jordan Addison transferring right after he got there, I think is a legitimate uh, a, a legitimate caveat to add to his career there. Mm-hmm. But the overall, quote-unquote, backsliding of Keaton Slovis's career, I think is a little bit... It's not... It's not totally falsified it's not completely made up like there are some numbers who suggested but i do think it's overstated some i think it's definitely overstated some and again if he can prove this season that last year was an outlier Mm -hmm. i think you can say that 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 knock against him will have been completely overstated in visiting with kalani satake there's such a quiet understated confidence about him as a head coach that seems to be his M.O. Kalani said he knew this was happening with the move to the Big 12. What can you speak to on that, Aaron Roderick? Yeah. Yeah, um, two things about that. One is Kalani, you're right about Kalani. He's He has a very self-deprecating sense of humor, and he is really funny. Um, he's a really fun guy to be around, um, and he's humble but he does have a lot of confidence in what he's doing and in, in his plan and in his program and the players feed off of that and uh, they love him. They, our players, you know, they, they play so hard. Our, our, we're, we're a tough team and our team plays really hard and it's more out of a love for him than it is for a, you know, a fear of I'm going to lose my job if I don't perform or I'm going to get punished if I don't perform. It's all just the players love him. Um, but as far as preparing for this goes, uh, Jay Hill, our defensive coordinator, Kalani, and I were—I was at Utah for 12 years, and the three of and those two guys, I think they overlapped with me each for nine or ten of those 12 years, and all three of us went through the experience at Utah of going from the Mountain West to the Pac-12, and that was a that was a transition because we were a really good team in the Mountain West, and we we had the year where we won the Sugar Bowl and went undefeated, and yet. 
even that move into the Pac-12, that was still tough. And it, was a, it was an eye-opener to have all those games just stacked up week after week. And I think we learned a lot from that experience together. And, you know, nine, ten years of the three of us working together, I think is really going to pay off in this move. I think there's a lot of positives and negatives we can take from that past experience and apply them to this situation. And it's not exact because BYU's been playing a lot more Power 5 games than than we were back in those days when we were at Utah. But there are a lot of good lessons, I think, that are going to help us uh, help us through this. There you go. That's Aaron Roderick breaking down Kalani, his M.O., his uh, uh, thoughts on also Big 12. A uh, couple other things here. This is if you want to get into some offensive line talk. I want to talk about your offensive line, Aaron Roderick. A lot of people are talking about Kingsley Sumati as one of the best offensive linemen in the country. You guys are so physical up front. How do you feel about the current offensive line? This is one of my questions. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because we we are big and physical up front, and we've been that way for the whole time I've been here. Um, This would be my sixth year. Um, Our offensive line was very good a year ago. Two years ago, we've been, you know, we're, we're big and athletic. We recruit a lot of long athletic guys that that are uh you know good players and so we run we run the ball our our offense is a physical run game and we have a great play action pass game off of it and um i think it all starts with us being able to run the football and our our line is good kingsley's a great player you know he's, he's we moved him over to left tackle this year and then you just go right across the board we've got some tough decisions I and mean, um, it's 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 a good group. It's got some good depth there, and uh, our center Connor Pay has been a multi-year starter for us. We've got Paul Miley that transferred from Utah. That's been a multi-year starter for Utah. Uh, Caleb Etienne came in from Oklahoma State, and he started all 13 games for those guys last year. And did he's done a great job since he's been here. Um, so I'm and then there's a there's a bunch of guys there. I'm probably I'm already forgetting a couple. I'm sure, but um, O line is is the strength of our offense without question. And I, I expect those guys to play at a really high level. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Man, it is a talented offensive line, no doubt. Uh, once again, I still doubt the cohesion chemistry uh, that, that, I mean, look, you got four weeks to do it. I hope you can. Um, you have actually six weeks with the two uh, two games, Sam Houston and SUU. You, should, you expect wins there. You expect to kind of tune up those those uh, those offensive line, um, uh, you know, inconsistencies during that time. So uh, I'm still in wait and see mode. I can't wait to see it in, in fall camp. 
We told Tyler Algier you would be on the show, and he, he said he wanted to say hello. What did Tyler Algier mean to you and this program? Uh, Tyler's the best. He uh, he is that guy is an ex- he is like an example of like what our program is all about. I mean, he he was a walk on who played special teams, was willing to play defense a little bit. I mean, he he uh, and then once he got his chance at running back, he just took it over and um, what an awesome kid, humble kid, great player, love him. Is Tyler Algier the greatest walk-on in BYU football history? Oh, there are a couple quarterbacks that might disagree with you there, but it's... Walk-on? I I mean, there have been a few. There have been a few all over the place. Um, No, in BYU football history. And your boy Dennis Pettis started out as a walk-on. He probably wants to have a word in Will, Will, Will Tyler Algier. I mean, Tyler Algier... Good football player. I think, I think Tyler. I think I. I don't want to sound like I'm knocking on Tyler. I think Tyler definitely makes very much an argument. I don't know if you can necessarily go all the way and say for sure, uh, but he's up there. And it's a group that it's it's exactly what you want out of your walk-ons. It's exactly what you want out of your program. This is still a program that I know everybody expects a recruiting bump from going to the Big 12, and I'm sure there will be some of that. But BYU is still going to be BYU, it, and BYU is still going to recruit like BYU. Uh, maybe you'll see a little bit of a raise, a little bit of an addition, but they are still recruiting within the bounds of their university, mm-hmm. within the bounds of the state of Utah, within the bounds of the LDS Church. Uh, it's sponsoring institution, within the bounds of the culture of Provo. And so you want guys who come in with that sort of walk-on mentality, if you will. Whether they are actually walk-ons or not, you want somebody who comes in with that extra chip on their shoulder. Tyler definitely had that. And he's one of the, mo- one of the most recent examples of somebody who came in with very much that chip on his shoulder saying, nah, bro, I'm going to prove you wrong. And that's... I think that's the type of culture that Kalani and, and Aaron Roderick are are trying to to build in Utah, which I think you're seeing more and more of again. Couple last sound bites here from Aaron Roderick on Sirius XM Big Twelve Radio. Uh, we talked to Keem Sloves at Big Twelve Media Day. One of the things that stuck out to him is when you guys get into the red zone, you aren't just dropping back. There's a lot to protect the quarterback. Play action opening up backs. Can you speak to that red zone mentality? Yeah, we just, you know, we're a team that believes in when when uh, when Kalani offered me this job, I my interest in the job was, yes, I want to do it if we're going to be aggressive on offense. I didn't want to be in a situation where we were just, um, you know, trying to protect the defense and play conservative football I wanted to be aggressive and let it rip and he he supports that 100% and so we are a team that we use all four downs a lot we're super aggressive on early downs and uh, I'm, not, I'm not a guy that likes to dink and dunk and throw a lot of short passes I want to throw the ball down the field and uh, you know if we, if we need to make three yards we can hand it to our running back but I want to throw the ball down the field as much as we can and so um you know, I think our play-action game really helps protect the quarterback a lot where we're not always relying on just being a drop-back, you know, drop-back, drop-back, drop-back 30 times a game and rely on your offensive line in the, in the your five- and six-man drop-back protections, you know. So 
yes, we have those and we have to do those things in, in, in key moments in the game. But, um, you know, and then we do, we just, we do a lot of fun things. We like to have fun. You know, our, our, our third down and red zone stuff, we like to be creative and we have a good screen game and um, we do some fun things. And I think all those things add up to protect the quarterback and not always just be a sitting duck standing in the same place and these, you know, big 12 pass rushers that can just ID where he is and just pin their ears back and go get him. I don't, I don't like to let people do that. And so I'm hoping that that's going to be something that uh, allows Keaton to thrive. Love that. Shots fired. Shots fired. Kaywit feeling that uh, those shots fired across the bow. Last thing. Last thing from Aaron. Aaron, I, um, you guys played all over the country during Independence. Played against every conference. Do you see a style attached to the Big 12 defenses? You've seen 3-3-5. Is there a style defensively that equates to the Big 12 that you see? I think the the three three five is is probably the one that stands out. Just uh, we have played against it a fair amount over the last few years, but there are several teams in the Big Twelve playing it, and I've, there's a one or two more that are sort of rumored to be going that direction <laughs> that haven't shown it yet. So yeah. I, we'll we'll find out if that's true. Um, but uh, so I would say that's probably the one. But but it isn't the only defense in the Big Twelve, so you have to. You know, I have to be ready. Be ready for everything, and and we will be. We've we've been playing, as you mentioned, we've been playing against a lot of good teams for several years now, and um, and uh, I know I know we're going up against some really good defenses, but I think we have the players and the coaches to to be ready, you know, and to go and make a good showing. So, but yeah, I'd say that that is the one that's sort of the the league staple, if you will. All right, that's your nitty-gritty brought to you by Greenify Energy Savers, greenifyenergysavers.com. We'll go to break. Brian Keel coming up next. Don't miss it. This is Cougar Sports, ESPN 960. This is Cougar Sports with Ben Criddle on ESPN 960. And it's time for Keeping Up with the Cougars, brought to you by dentalprosofutah.com. Welcome back, Cougar Sports, ESPN 960. This is Cougar Country. I'm Ben Crittle, broadcasting live from our Les Schwab Tire Studios, leschwab.com. Save $110 right now when you buy a set of four select Continental Tires. It is time for a Keeping Up with the Cougars segment. We're going to welcome in a former BYU great to talk BYU football, Big 12 football, and conference realignment. We'll get into it here momentarily. It's going to be brought to you by Dental Pros of Utah, dentalprosofutah.com. If you've been told you need a filling, crown, root canal, just get a second opinion at Dental Pros of Utah. They utilize a more conservative management process with their dental uh, their dental techniques. It's biomimetic dentistry, mimicking the natural anatomy and structure of your teeth. Rebuild your teeth with, uh, with Kevlar fibers, layer by layer, rather than settling for crowns and root canals. Dentalprosofutah.com. All right, let's welcome in one of the greatest athletes I've ever been around. Uh, tested out, I think if we look at like Combine and Pro Day, this dude was a beast, and he's one of the greatest linebackers to come through Brigham Young University. Let's welcome in the one, the only, Brian Keel. We're getting into the Keel zone today. What's up, Keel? What's up, bro? How you doing? Good, man. How was your off season? You ready for football? Oh, man, it went fast. It's like... Uh... 
get reset with all the kids and all their sports and everything, and like time to turn around again, and here we are. So I'm super excited about. I am too, man. Appreciate you hopping on to give us some perspective uh, from uh, your your eyes and, and your vote voice today. BYU year one Big Twelve. Where where are you at in your expectations right now, Keel? You know, I have pretty high expectations, um, probably higher than most people. Um, I think uh, I've been saying six or seven wins, which might be wishful thinking, but that's what I think. That's it, just six, seven wins. Now, when when I when I hear you say like that, you have high expectations. I'll, I'll be honest; I thought you were going to say like eight or nine wins, six or seven. But maybe well, maybe you're right. There's a lot of naysayers out there that kind of feel like BYU's not going to get bowl eligible. So the uh, the pie in the sky fan, the overly optimistic blue goggle fan, is saying six, seven. Yeah, no, I I'm, I'm, I think it's realistic. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, you're gonna, only going to win three or four games, but I don't see that. So. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, nine wins—that's like that's a great year. That's 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 a great year any year. Yeah. Um. You know, nine, nine years is, is nine wins is a great year. Eight year eight wins is a good year. Um. Anything above nine is obviously a phenomenal year. Um. And so to do that in the first year in a big conference like that's that would be just out of this world. I don't I don't see that happening. Obviously, it could happen, but you know, I realistically, I think six or seven. Brian, uh, for all the fans out there that are listening, just so everyone knows, Keel is extremely excited for the new defense. Uh, Keel and I used to go back and forth a little bit. I would try to, you know, balance him out and give him some of the virtues of the former defense, and he would just try to squash it all day, every day, angrily texting me, uh, telling me about all the things that he would change if he was the college football head coach uh, at Brigham Young University. So, B, B, what what do you think about, what are your expectations for Jay Hill year one uh, going into his new role? Yeah, so I um, I was hoping to get down for a practice or something for spring, but I, I wasn't able to get down there. So I didn't see anything. I heard great things. Um, I've heard him talk, and the stuff that I've heard, not a lot, but the stuff that I've heard him say is really encouraging. So I have high hopes. I have high expectations. Um, he's obviously a phenomenal coach. He's done well. And and there's a reason, you know, that, that we poached him, really, and, and pulled him away from a program that he was, was consistently rising in. And uh, so, yeah, so I, I was very, very bullish on him and um, very anxious to see the actual product unfolded and um, excited to actually, you know, tackle and blitz and go after people. <laughs> I mean, you know K-pop. K-pop's similar in his approach. You've probably chatted with him over the years. And, and K-pop and Jay Hill are very much aligned in that in that vision of what the defense is going to do. And it's Jay Hill's defense, there's no doubt, but – I don't think it's too far of a stretch to say like K-pop is like right there saying like we got to get after quarterbacks and get get them off their point. Yeah, I mean it's nowadays everybody knows it's a passing league. Uh, sorry, it's a it's a passing league. It's a quarterback driven league. Um, that's all of football, and that's what drives the offense. So defensively, you 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 attack that. You gotta you gotta get you gotta get after the quarterback. You gotta make them uncomfortable. You gotta. And that's the thing, too. So, obviously, sacks are huge. And uh, interceptions are the best, obviously, okay? Next is sacks. Next is sacks. But the thing that a lot of the casual football fan doesn't realize is it's not just sacks. 
it's quarterback pressure that's critical because what the last thing you want is you want a quarterback sitting back there comfortable. So even if you're even if you're not getting sacks, but and getting him off rhythm, off timing, messing up his his mechanics, messing up his footwork, getting him out of the pocket, making him uncomfortable, that's that's success. That's success. So it, obviously you want sacks, and sacks are great, um, but you still have to pressure the quarterback. The last thing you want is a dude sitting back there in a lawn chair just hanging out, and that's what we've seen the last many years. Is quarter, the opposing quarterback is just taking a Sunday stroll in that backfield, and he's and and the, nowadays these quarterbacks are so good. If you give them time and if you make them comfortable, they will pick you apart. Yeah, I think one of the most frustrating things for me last year was even when we did bring pressure and we got home, like at Arkansas versus Arkansas, KJ Jefferson. We had like three guys wrapping him up, and somehow he uh, he escaped. We couldn't we couldn't tackle anybody. I mean, what's going on? Can't tackle. Yeah, it does you no good if you can't tackle. Oh, oh man. man, so frustrating. Football's um, still pretty basic, yeah, that's man. Block, I, block shed tackle. That's blocking and tackling. So we, we I'm coaching my nine year old uh, Nixon's nine year old is is on the is on the team, and Nixon's on our staff. And we had a little meeting last night. We were talking about we're you know making cuts. For the nine-year-old A-team uh, here in Corner Canyon, and um, we were talking about this kid, you know, whether or not to keep him. And I literally, I was because we did drills yesterday. Yesterday was the first day of pads, and we did blocking drills and we did tackling drills. And I was like, this kid we were talking about. I was like, well, he blocks well and he tackles well. What more do you want? Like that's yeah. that's football right there. Yep. Yep. You block well and you tackle well, you will yep. do fantastic things on a football field. You'll win football games. Period. And if you have a team that does that, yeah, so individually, that's great for you. And then if you have a team that collectively does that, yes, you win football games. Brian, can I get into a little bit of nitty-gritty of you kind of down sort of that that avenue some? Um, because I look at this BYU defense, and, and I'm not seeing as many losses uh, in terms of personnel as a lot of people kind of expected or projected or maybe thought would happen under Jay Hill. I think there were a lot of guys that were on this roster last year, even had pretty good years last year, who could really benefit from just like a change in mindset or a change in in direction that you're talking about with Coach Hill. So I'm thinking of guys like like Tyler Batty or a Max Tooley, Ben Bywater, maybe a Jacob Robinson um, back there in the secondary, even a Micah Harper at safety even maybe. Is there somebody... Or, or a group of guys on this defense in this defensive personnel who you think can really benefit just from, like, even almost apart from scheme necessarily, just Jay Hill's like change in mindset with that that attacking mentality. Yeah, so I um, I'll answer your, your question this way. Um, I'll just I like to go back, and I always like to be Uncle Rico. And um, you know, go back in time and talk yes, about yeah, how please. great we were. And we can, we controlled over that mountain and all that good stuff. Um, I love it. Okay, so I played I played on crappy defenses and I played on good defenses, um, both in high school at at BYU and in the NFL. So every level, um, I so I've seen both. And so let's talk about BYU. I I got there in two thousand and two. And uh, that was BRU's first losing season in 30 years. Our defense was terrible. BRU never really had a great defense in all of their heyday. There were a few years where they had 
some better defense. Sure. But it was always, you know, the offense outscored people. In 96, which is, you know, some people would say that's their best team ever, even though they lost one game, whatever. They had a, a great defense that year. Um, outside of that, never really great defense. I got there in 02, not a good defense. Went on my mission for two years, two regrettable years, glad to be gone. Come back, um, Broncos' first year in 05, we had terrible defense. Um, our team went 6-6, six and six, and um, our defense was not good. Um, I, I, I still am, like, haunted by the, the 51-50 TCU game um, that we should have won, and we, we blew a 17-point lead. Yep. We just we couldn't keep – we couldn't stop them. And um, anyway, that defense – that, that defense was not good in 05. And then in 06, our defense was phenomenal. What changed? Did we, like, get an influx of all these great players? I mean, Crittle would tell you that he became a starter, so that was all the difference. Uh, <laughs> I mean, obviously, in, in yeah, hey, clearly. Yeah, first yeah. thing, you got to love yourself yeah. before you love others. So Crittle, Crittle would, would take all the credit because That's he didn't That's not play. true. He, 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 redshirted, he redshirted in 05, so he would be like, well, that's the only reason our defense was trash in 05, <laughs> and then he was a starter in 06. That's not true. So that's Why not, you say those but things? That's not, that is not true. So that's not the reason. What changed? So the, my point is the personnel was, was mostly the same. Yep. What changed? Our, our mindset and our scheme. We switched from a 3-3-5, which we really never should have been in, and we switched to a 3-4. And, and we had a, and even more than that, like we had a scheme change, but we also had a culture change and a mindset change. Mm. And, and you look and, and we went on to a stretch of, I don't know how many years it was, of phenomenal defense. Um, going up until, I don't know, whatever that year it was with, 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 uh, Benoit where they were like top five defense, like just yep. phenomenal defense. Yep. Um, but that, it started in 06. And you just had phenomenal defense for all those years. Um, so yeah, so for these guys, there is potential, there is talent, and sometimes all it takes is a little tweak to to scheme and mindset, and you can go from trash to, to treasure. And we did that in 05 to 06. I love that answer. I love that so much because sometimes it's it's not even it's it's even less about uh, kind of the X's and O's versus Jimmy and Joe's, and more just about what can you do to unlock more potential out of guys. I will say this, uh, and, and i got to give some credit here to our linebacking core. Gary Croton recruited pretty well, um, and we got to see the fruits of those labors. Young guys making maybe, uh, you know, in a different scheme, yes, in a different culture, but then we, we saw the talent maximized defensively keel nixon k-pop all playing in the nfl uh there were some other really good football players obviously that that were on that squad but there, there were a lot of young guys in those uh 02 03 04 05 years um and then a ton of studs that that came yeah came up and with experience right there, there's something there as well yeah croton he he did he was a great recruiter and he was a good he was a good football coach in many ways he obviously made mistakes and um he was a good guy like him um but uh but yeah i mean he definitely recruited some talent and yeah. and bronco bronco absolutely benefited from from the talent that was there uh that was available and developed it and and unleashed it and that's 
why he was not not the only reason, but because obviously Broncos a phenomenal coach and 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 all those good things. But he he was able to have that success uh, because of some of the players that were there, and then he went out and got more and and uh, you know the rest of history. But absolutely. Keel, have you been keeping con? Uh, you know, kind of keeping track of of what's been going on with conference realignment. Obviously, Colorado coming over from the Big Twelve. Uh, rumors about Oregon, Washington, U of A. U of A definitely interested. Uh, Oregon and Washington also taking a peek in that flirtation mode. Give me your overall thoughts on on what's going on, and uh, you know what uh, uh, when you're looking over at your Pac-12 um, neighbors, how you feeling about them right now? So it's kind of funny. Um, it's it's weird for me. So I'm conflicted. It's not good for football. So first and foremost, um, and I said this when it happened, when the LA schools bounced, I was I was like pissed because it's stupid. It's stupid regionally. It's stupid logistically. It's stupid historically. It hurts the brand of college football. It hurts the product. It obviously hurts their conference, and it, it was the domino that now is crumbling their conference. Um, it's not really that huge of a benefit for the Big Ten. It's way less of a benefit to the Big Ten than it is a detriment, obviously, to the Pac-12. So for so many reasons, I hated it. And I think it's dumb and it's selfish, and and I'm mad about that. And And I don't like all of this jumping around and trying to create super conferences and and I'm not for it. I don't think it's good long-term for, for college football, for what we know college football to have been. All that being said, the the uh, the child in me, the schoolyard trash-talking child in me, absolutely loves watching the Pac-12 burn and and Utah fans squirm. So I, I'm, I'm mad enough to admit that I, I am absolutely enjoying with popcorn that dumpster fire. The natural man is an enemy to God, Keo, but I, I appreciate your natural man today. That's true. He's, <laughs> he lives with all of us. So, and he, he absolutely is peeking out watching this. And even, even though it's not good, even though I would rather it not be the case, it is still it is still fun to watch. It is fun to watch. Especially it entertaining and Especially because they've been on their all Pac-12 fans. Utah fans in particular have been on their high horse for so long about all sorts of different things. And so it's just funny. Any, anytime someone gets knocked off a high horse, it's good for everybody. So It's the pride cycle, man. That's the, that's the circle of life. It's a good thing. Got to stay humble, stay hungry, thing. right? Uh, in this world that thing. that is driven by, I believe, still meritocracy, especially in the sports world, right? These are brands that want stability there's chaos on the west coast they built their foundation maybe upon the sand they've had poor leadership over the last decade <laughs> they've overspent they've been frivolous not fiduciary their fiduciary responsibility went out the window overpaying for their brick and mortar right now they're having to pay fines uh fox didn't want anything to do with them keel because they were losing money on the deal they're like oh, i don't even want to come to the table espn lowballing them now after they shunned the initial offer they've pissed off everyone yep. along the way dude they are reaping what they sowed. Going yes. back to incompetent commissioners and, like you said, crappy spending. There was that debacle where they had that lavish, extravagant office in L.A. spending yep. tons of money on that, and all—I mean, it's on and on and on. Like just mismanagement. They are reaping what they sowed. 
Uh, last thing for you, Keel. Uh, one of the most intriguing elements is the turnover. BYU typically has more turnover than most college football teams, I think, because of return missionaries. Um, and now that the transfer portal here, we just had a ton of transfers. Uh, we had a good transfer portal uh, class. We have 58 new players on the roster. That's a complete overhaul of a of a locker room. I love the coaching changes, right, and the culture that's, that's going to still. Good thing, bad thing, when you're kind of taking everything into account, you're one Big 12, new coaches, high level of turnover. Give me your thoughts, your perspective, your 30,000-foot view from you know, your leadership perk, right, uh, Perch? Yeah, there's this, yeah, there's this, uh, I don't know if it's a proverb or whatever. I heard it. I can't quote it. Um, it was, it, it, it's Asian in, or of, of, you know, is where it comes from. And anyway, the gist of it is like all these, like a good thing happens and a bad thing happens. A good thing happens, but I, I wish I could quote it. I would. But anyway, the point is, is like when, when things happen, it might be good, it might be bad. Like, you don't know. It, it, kind of the point of this proverb or whatever it is, m- mantra, is is like when when life happens, don't rush to like either over-celebrate or commiserate this thing that just happened because you really don't know. Time will tell. It might be good, it might be bad. So, you know, I don't know, to answer your question, we yeah, with that crazy turnover is it good? Is it bad? I, I wouldn't label it either. Um, it might be good. It might be bad. You could make an argument for either way. Um, the only thing that I can speak to is there's a rabid fan base that is just chomping at the bit and excited, uh, all time engagement and, and energy levels going into this, this new era of, of our program. And so I just hope that that locker room grasps the gravity of this situation and uh, just the weight of, of this opportunity that they've been given. And, you know, those of us that, that, that are alumni would, would kill for this opportunity that they now have and that, that they're stewards of. I, I just hope they grasp that. And, and, and I think they do and, 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 and attack this season the way that it, it deserves. Keel, my final question for you. Who's your favorite linebacker on this roster? Ben Bywater, Chaz Ayu, A.J. Vong-Pachan, Max Tooley, Isaiah Glasker, Ace Kafusi, Ammon Hanneman, Micah Kafusi, Siali Acera, Fisher Jackson. I don't want to leave anybody out just in case you have a friend or, or a family relation here. <laughs> Lucky Finau, Harrison Taggart. Oh, man, there's, there's so many there. Uh, it's hard for me to pick a favorite. I, I'm going to – I'm going to – Cop out and say that IU is my favorite ever since watching that that deep blue whatever it's called about him. It just hit a. I, I watched that. Uh, I didn't didn't really know that much about him and um, didn't know he was adopted. Didn't know all that stuff. And uh, even though I know his family really well mm-hmm. um, and played with with uh, some of his his uncles and anyway. Um, that that really struck me. I like that. So you know, I if you're adopted and somebody else is adopted, that's your dude. So you just got to roll and ride with with my guys. So that's my guy. Love it, Keel. Not only did he drop football knowledge on us, he also dropped the parable of the Chinese farmer, the Dallas perspective uh, on uh, living in the moment. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? We'll see. You never know. Keel, thanks for letting us get into the Keel Zone, brother. Uh, 
appreciate it. As always, great time catching up with you. Let me know if you need anything from me, brother. Thanks, man. Always. There you go. Brian Keel, ladies and gentlemen. Any thoughts, any commentary, any follow-up, Sean, before we go to break? Fantastic stuff from Brian Keel, as always. Yes, indeed. Appreciate that. Keeping up with the Cougars. Brought to you by Dental Pros of Utah. DentalProsofUtah.com. If you've been told you need a fiddling, crown, root canal, get a second opinion today at DentalProsofUtah.com. Brett McMurphy, college football insider, coming up next. What does it all mean? What's happening with conference realignment? Is Oregon, is Washington coming? Will U of A be making the jump first? Brett McMurphy, coming up next. This is Cougar Sports on ESPN 960.